I wanted to read just a brief statement that comes from our Board of Global Ministries of the United Methodist Church. It's from the Secretary of the Board of Global Ministries, Thomas Kemper. He says, we join our voices at Global Ministries with that of Christians around the world in condemnation of the shootings in New Zealand at the mosque. Such terrorism and the pain it inflicts reminds us of the kinship of all people across religious and cultural boundaries. The attacks at the Al-Nur and Lidwood Mosque in the city of Christ Church violate the spirit of civility and peaceful diversity of New Zealand. Such violence is especially heinous when inflicted on people at prayer. Our hearts and prayers are with all of those directly affected by this horror and for the well-being of the entire human family. May we be united in prayer for an end to hatred, violence, and bloodshed. And certainly, uh, I know Maria mentioned this in her prayer, we want to keep all of these folks in our prayers and uh, remember them at a, at a horrific time. Our scripture lesson for this morning is from the book of Genesis, way back in the beginning of the scriptures, Genesis chapter 15. And I want to read verses 1 through 12 and then verses 17 and 18. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me for I continue childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, you have given me no offspring. And so a slave born in my house is to be my heir. But the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. No one but your very own issue shall be your heir. He brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to count them. Then he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And he believed the Lord and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you from the earth, the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, oh Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. He brought him all these and cut them in two, laying each half over against the other, but he did not cut the birds in two. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. A deep and terrifying darkness descended upon him. And then verses 17 and 18, when the sun had gone down and it was dark, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying to your descendants, I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river Euphrates. This is the word of God for the people of God. Second Sunday in Lent, and we are currently involved in a series based on a book called Gifts of the Dark Wood by Eric Elms. Last week we talked about one of the first gifts of the dark wood and that was the gift of temptation. Jesus being tempted by the Satan or the adversary in the Judean wilderness. Temptation does not always involve choosing the good over the bad. Sometimes it involves choosing the best over the good. And then this week I want us to take a closer look at the second gift for just a few minutes. The gift of of uncertainty. 
I know that sounds strange, but we're going to talk about it for just a little bit. But before we explore that gift, I want you to think with me for a moment about the darkness. I read a book by Barbara Brown Taylor uh, not too many years ago. It's a fairly recent book called Life in the Darkness or Learning to Walk in the Darkness. And her writings really helped me to see or understand the darkness in a different way. And that's so much behind our series for this Lent. She said, darkness is shorthand for anything that scares me, either because I'm sure that I do not have the resources to survive it or because I don't want to find out. If I had my way, I would eliminate everything from chronic back pain to the fear of the devil from my life and the lives of those I love. At least I think I would. The problem is this, when despite all my best efforts, the lights have gone off in my life, plunging me into the kind of darkness that turns my knees into water, I have not died. The monsters have not dragged me out of bed and taken me back to their lair. Instead, I have learned things in the dark, she wrote, that I could never have learned in the light. Things that have saved my life over and over and over again. So really, there's only one logical conclusion. I need darkness, she says, as much as I need the light. Now, those are not easy lessons to learn. They're easy concepts to grasp, are they? Most of us probably grew up, or I know I did, hearing my parents' voice crowd across the yard, you need to get yourself home, it's almost dark. And then I've known a lot of folks, older folks and others, who said, well, it's about time I'm leaving, I've got to get home before dark. There's something about the darkness that frightens us and to think that maybe there are gifts in the darkness and that uncertainty is one of those gifts. When we want to be so sure, uncertainty, a gift? And my first response is to say, no, thank you. I hope you saved the receipt. I'm taking it back to the store first thing in the morning. I don't need any uncertainty. I don't even want to keep it around and put it in my white elephant Christmas box for for December. And by the way, how did you wrap up something as large and as unwieldy as uncertainty? How can that be a gift? Uncertainty. We read the story about Abram, who later would be known as Abraham, and the uncertainty that he was sensing in God's plan, God's call from the Ur of the Chaldees to be the father of a great nation. How can it be, he said, I don't have any descendants. I don't have any offspring. And so the conversation is back and forth between the Lord God and Abram. God trying to reassure Abram. And Abram struggling with that that uncertainty. That uncertainty that we feel in our lives time and time again. Now, if you'll allow me for just a moment, I want to sum up the chapter in this book about the gifts of uncertainty. And then we'll wrap things up in just a moment. The chapter is prefaced with what I find to be an intriguing quote from a guy named Brian McLaren. McLaren said, certainty is overrated. Think about that one for a little bit. He said, as the ancients knew that you may enter the dark world through the path of glory or the path of despair, it may be an ecstatic experience, an experience of profound wonder and awe like the Apostle Paul on the Damascus Road, or it may have been a crisis like Dante had at midpoint in his life. Once you find yourself in the dark wood, it doesn't matter so much how you got there. What are the lessons to be learned? What are the good things that can come? And then he talks about 
mystery, the whole concept of mystery. And I use that expression a lot when I don't understand something, is that we have to learn to live with some mystery in our life and even in our faith. He speaks about the mystery that is us longing to connect with the mystery that is God. And we realize we've entered the dark wood. What keeps us in the dark wood is a developing sense of trust in the presence, the power of God. From there, it only goes on to reference the touch of the Holy Spirit. And he has an expression that I've loved and I think I'll use. When the Holy Spirit has moved you and you know it's from the Spirit and you know it's the right thing, he calls that a sweet spot moment, a Holy Spirit moment. And then he said, the call of the Holy Spirit, as inviting as it ends, inviting as it is, tends to break things up, to shake things up with a particular dark wood gift the Spirit sometimes brings, uncertainty. And I agree with his next assumption a lot. He says uncertainty seems more like a curse than a gift. And most of us, probably most of the time, would say that because we want to know, we want to be sure. Yet religion, he says, does a disservice when it seeks to take all of the uncertainty out of our lives. I'm still mulling over his assertion, the more certainty a religion tries to deliver, the more frenzied and hysterical are its adherents. Faith building on certainty, he says, is a house of cards. Now, for a while on in the book after this, he talks about the Apostle Paul and he quotes Paul and that sentence in particular that comes out of 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. We see through a mirror dimly, in a mirror dimly. We see through a glass darkly. And he says that Paul is saying here that our need for certainty can be rather childish. And I said, wow, and whoa, whoa. He's all over my toes when he's talking about that. The word translated dimly, we see through a mirror dimly, adding body in the Greek is translated enigma in our language and it means a mystery. A mystery. What Paul is saying is that a mature faith is one that is able to embrace mystery in this world and in this life. And it's not a problem to be solved. Uncertainty is a gift and not a curse. I'm going to be wrestling with that one for a while. I think I understand where he's going. He said too much certainty removes the adventure from life and takes all the joy out of our relationships. And he talks about a guy who said, I've been married to 29 different women in 30 years. Coincidentally, each of them happened to be named Mariana. Mystery in in relationships and in life. Why are we so anxious to get rid of it and just be certain about everything and think we've got it all figured out? John Ortberg in his book Faith and Doubt said we all think we want certainty, but what we don't, what we really want is trust, wisely placed. Trust is better than certainty because it honors the freedom of persons and makes possible growth and intimacy that certainty alone could not produce. And I think I hear him saying is that when we think we've got it all figured out and we've got it all in our neat little boxes and then we're hit with a new idea or a new revelation or a new thought from someone, 
then we just, we can't get out of that little box. And we can't absorb that new way of thinking. And goodness knows we can't wrestle with the thought that, hey, I might be wrong. The gift of uncertainty, this chapter draws to a close. He's got a very personal story about his daughter named Ariana, a little girl who had a difficult illness, and they weren't sure that she was going to make it for a little while. He said, gratefully, she survived. But that experience, he said, began to change everything about the way he saw life and understood life. He said, I believe that unexpected love showed up with me just as I had the most and become the most withdrawn, whispering this quiet word to me. And in this message now, a regular mantra, the Spirit taught me that uncertainty is a great gift. Uncertainty, he said, teaches us to let go of all of the concerns except those that are right in front of us that we're wrestling with at the moment and gives us the courage and the power to face those concerns even when they are painful and difficult and to live wholeheartedly. Uncertainty, doubt, a gift. Uncertainty about our own status with God. How do we stand? Uncertainty about folks we love and their relationship with Jesus Christ. Uncertainty about the state of our world and the involvement of the lack of, lack thereof of the Holy Spirit. And then there's uncertainty about our own mortality and life after death. And that's why I want you to hear this beautiful requiem this morning as Rudder talks about that and, and moves us with the music to consider the great mystery of life and death and the power that God offers, uncertainty. It could be the gift that fuels our prayer life. It could be the gift that causes us to be more graceful in our dealings with each other. Could be the gift that leads us to a greater compassion and a greater involvement with the deep hungers and pains in the world around us. The late Fred Craddock, one of my favorite teachers, used to say, be careful about those folks who think they've walked all the way around God with a camera. That kind of certainty Devoid of all mystery, that kind of certainty can be dangerous. But that God loves each of us and that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord in this world or in the world to come. That's a place we can put our trust. And may that trust grow for all of our days. Amen.